Journey to Pentecost, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. This sixth Sunday of Holy Pascha, we commemorate Christ's miraculous healing of the blind man. We're joined by Professor Michael Anthony, founder and former president of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, to reflect on this Sunday's Gospel reading. Have you ever wondered what the phrase, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God means? Christina Psychorios will help explain the meaning of this phrase from Proverbs. As always, we'll play you hymns chanted by the Sydney School of Byzantine Music, along with Greek traditional songs sung by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. This is The Journey to Pentecost. Sunday of the Blind Man with Professor Michael Anthony, co-founder and former president of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. My dear brothers and sisters, tomorrow's reading of the Holy Gospel concerns a man born blind who is sitting on the footpath and begs for help. Unfortunately, his cries fall on deaf ears. No one pays attention. He is ignored. Bernard Shaw, a famous English playwright, writer and philosopher, in his book The Devil's Disciple, writes, The worst thing we can do to our fellow men is not to hate them, but to ignore them. This is the essence of inhumanity. That is what the blind man experienced all his life. While everyone ignores the man, Jesus comes to him in silence. He spits on the ground, makes mud with his saliva, rubs it on the man's eyelids and tells him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeys washes his eyes and returns with fully restored vision. This liberates him from the world of darkness and the world of social isolation. This spectacular miracle, our Holy Mother Church made it a banner about the power of Jesus and dedicated 
tomorrow's Sunday as the Sunday of the blind man and called it Kiriaki to Tiflu. This miracle has some sensitive points. With time, the number of miracles Jesus performs steadily increases. These, the Pharisees do not call the miracles, but signs, whilst at the same time they become panic-stricken, seeing that the people are behind Jesus. And yet Jesus has not come among us to heal the sick, but the sick who are healed appear to act in such a way so that Jesus is glorified something far from his intentions. The hostility of the Pharisees toward Jesus we see around the time of the cure of the blind man when they expelled him from the temple, its covered walkways and its forecourt, so he could no longer preach there, Jesus called the Jewish leaders spiritually blind to their face and needed a blind man to be sent to them to open their eyes. Since the Pharisees were not accepting the word of Jesus, he was speaking to them with miracles, but he was selective in helping people. One man who was paralytic for 38 years, among hundreds at the pool in Bethesda, one blind man who did not even ask him for help, but at times he healed many people when a crowd surrounded him out of pure pity for them. To the two disciples sent by Sir John the Baptist, who came to ask him, Are you the Messiah, or shall we be expecting someone else? Jesus tells them, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf can hear, and the dead arise from the grave. In spite of the spectacular miracles, it appears that Jesus is consumed with executing some other work, other than healing the sick and the infirm. His miracles are sporadic, as we know, and are performed whenever he finds some time from his major task. But does Jesus have a superior mission? a supreme task of Jesus, for himself, which he did not make widely known? It appears that the answer should be yes, but was made known only to his disciples. For instance, one time Jesus stayed in Capernaum a few days, and when he said he was leaving next day, everybody begged him to stay a little more, particularly so, his disciples. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. The kingdom of God was his passion, the salvation of as many souls, his aim, the eternal life, 
the gift to those faithful to him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus speaks of the urgency of bringing light into the darkened world. That is why he works continuously, day and night, so much so that frequently he had no time to eat. This statement to his disciples also refers to us. If we wish to be with Jesus and partake of his blessings in this life and also in the other life, we must work, perform works of love and charity, but the most important expression of love towards our fellow men is to show them the way to God, the road to salvation, preaching the kingdom of God. No more and no less, each of us is asked to become a missionary, wherever we work and live. Why? Because it is the surest way of imitating Jesus, who was doing the work of his father and who sent him, the main one being the preaching of the kingdom of God, as we saw above. Do you think that we can ever reach the position of doing holy works and preaching of the kingdom like the way Jesus wants us to? What about the other responsibilities we have whilst on earth, such as caring for our family, raising of children, personal relations with relatives, neighbors, friends, people at work, aside from illnesses and misfortunes which no one can escape from? On the other hand, Jesus tells his disciples at the Ascension, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always. However, making disciples cannot be done with the strength of man, but only with the power of God. If that is so, we are to understand that we should try to perform works of virtue and witness of the king for the kingdom according to our strength, because Jesus will never ask us to do things beyond our strength, but success will depend on the power of Jesus himself. As long as we are with him, we shall never fail. We are assured about this by Jesus himself. With man it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. So we have to accept as the answer to our questions at the beginning of this paragraph the same one given to the disciples about dedicating one's life to God. All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. May we all be among those who accept that which is given to us by God himself and live according to it. Amen. Amen.
Orthodox Spiritual Reflections with Christina Psychogios, member of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. is the fear of God. This is a phrase from Proverbs, written by King Solomon the Wise near the end of his life. What exactly does it mean for us? First, let us identify what is meant by wisdom. Saint Ambrose of Milan writes that wisdom in this passage refers to virtue, or the path of virtue. Saint John Chrysostom also expresses a similar understanding. The path towards virtue first requires one to remove themselves from their passions. Our passions, as St. John Chrysostom notes, are a result of a lack of wisdom. Traversing the path to Christ is the true joy of our lives. Temporary joy or happiness is the material and superficial path of the world It takes wisdom to discern between the two, something which took King Solomon until the end of his life to do so. So now, what is meant by fear? The fear of God is the beginning of virtue, and it is said to be the offspring of faith. This is what St. Isaac the Syrian teaches us. When someone first turns to God, the main catalyst is usually fear. When we accept the truth of God, 
we also accept the consequence of turning away from God, that of eternal punishment. Unless a man fears the Lord, writes St. Ambrose, he is unable to renounce sin. This, however, is only the beginning of wisdom, a first step. The second step towards wisdom is the fear of missing out on eternal and heavenly rewards, the kingdom of heaven. Let us take the example of a young child who makes a mess. If the child cleans up the mess out of fear of punishment, he has done a good deed. But the child that cleans up the mess to win his father's favour has done better. This is the second stage of the fear of God. The third step is the greatest one yet, the fear of disappointing or letting God down. Let us come back to that example of the child making a mess. The child in the beginning cleans up the mess out of fear of punishment, but as he progresses, cleans up out of fear of upsetting or losing his parents' love. It is the same with God. Like the young child, we may fear God's punishment in the beginning, but as we too progress, we fear losing God's love and grace in our lives, and we fear disappointing him. The proverb ends with the following words, Only fools despise wisdom and instruction. This serves as a dire warning, emphasising the consequences of not leading a virtuous life. May we imitate the saints who were wise in Christ, but were considered foolish in the world. Peace, Lord.